you said you'd come. Lawrence, hope you're not too late. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 66 of the Wulong Talks podcast. My name is Jason. I'm the host of the show, as you know. And as usual, I'm joined by Rich Kid. Rich Kid, say what's up, man. What's happening? What's happening? Cool, cool. And we've got a special guest with us as well, a friend of ours, um, a guy who's uh, we've known for a very long time and is a super passionate movie fan and entertainment fan. Um, and he's a guy who's going to help give um, some different perspective to what we'll be talking about today. And that is Big Joe. Big Joe, say what's up, man. Welcome to Long Talks. What's up? What's up? Hey, it's been a long time coming, bro. I know. I know. I'm here. <laughs> well, we're glad to finally have you, man. We're glad to finally have you. So today we're going to be talking about Avengers Endgame. Now, you know, I'm fully aware that the, the movie's been out for a while. You've probably read like thousands of fig pieces and listened to hundreds of podcasts talking about uh, the movie and giving reviews and things like that. So we decided to do something a little bit different with um our take on on the movie in a sense that um we got asked a, a lot of questions by people about um the, the movie and and some of the things that happen in it so we decided we we're going to dedicate this episode entirely to you the listeners so um to those of you who sent in questions thank you um we'll be going through those on this podcast um so we'll start off by giving you kind of a few thoughts uh, that we had of the movie and then we'll we'll dive straight into your questions because some of you asked a lot of questions that um were really good questions actually so i figured it was uh, worthwhile kind of uh, diving into that but before we begin with the reviews um first off i mean we'll do as we always do and and say what we've been up to recently so um rich kid We'll start with you, man. What you been doing recently? Uh, I started playing that mobile Marvel game. You know the Marvel Marvel Contest of Champions. Oh right, okay, yeah. I downloaded that on my iPad, I think. Yeah, uh, I've got it. I had it on like my phone for like ages, uh, and just decided to play it the other night when I couldn't sleep. So that was obviously that the usual, just banging out Destiny with with Big Joe here. So yeah, we've had the other occasional what like two o'clock start. In the morning, <laughs> and then see the sunrise. But it was all worth it when you're saving a galaxy. I'm telling you, man. Mm, damn right, <laughs> damn right. Um, yeah, Big Joe. How about you, man? What you been doing? Like, you've been watching anything cool? Have you gone to see any movies? I mean, obviously, you've been to see Avengers Endgame. But um, anything other than that that you've been up to recently? Um, on the movie front, no, not much really been happening to be honest. Um, as kind of Richard playing Destiny to early hours. Um, need a new game to play actually so any recommendations for a new game I'd be great for that um, series wise actually not a normal just series looking for a good one of those as well actually so anyone can give me a recommendation of a good series I know Game of Thrones is about to finish but I guess that's a separate topic we can talk another time about mm. so yeah so over to you Jay what have you been up to? 
Um, well, I mean, as as you all know, listeners, I've because uh, I, I keep mentioning it all the time in the last set of podcasts. But um, you know, my son is keeping me very busy at the moment and keeping me on my toes. But it's it's cool. I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, and it, it's one of those things, kind of watching a, a child grow. Um, you know, from a newborn to a baby and and, and into a child is is really a, a special thing, and um, it's just kind of blowing my mind really to just seeing how he keeps developing every day. So um, you know, it's, it's it's been amazing to see that. But um, because of that, I don't really have a lot of time for much else. Um, but I did start watching a, a Netflix show uh, called Shadow, um, which is set in South Africa. And um, I was saying to Rich earlier today, Joe, that it's probably like the worst, best series I've ever seen in the sense that um, the acting in it's terrible. The script in it is terrible. Um, the lead actor has this kind of weird American accent that, that doesn't make any sense when the film is, is set in, in, in Johannesburg. I, I don't know what he's doing. I guess he's auditioning for Hollywood parts while he's making this series. But it's kind of like... It, it's a bit like, you know, the, the kind of TV shows we used to watch in like the sort of late 80s and the early 90s, where they were quite high concept, where it would be like, you know, an ex-cop who, um, you know, has, has lost his job and has now become a private investigator. Um, and there'd be some kind of twist on that as well. Well, in Shadow, the twist is that he feels no pain, the main character. So um, when he gets punched or hit or stabbed or anything like that, he feels nothing. And um, it, it makes for some pretty hilarious kind of fight scenes. I, I don't know if they intended for them to be hilarious, but um, I found them hilarious. And it, the, the whole thing's just been like a blast to watch, man. I've, I think I've got into like episode six and there's like 10 episodes on there. Um, but yeah, I would work, I, I would recommend it to you just to, to have something to laugh at, to be honest, because yeah, it's dumb as hell, but I, I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, say again. But yeah, I might do that. I might have give it a watch. Yeah, 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 definitely, man. It's it's it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. So yeah, well, listeners, go check that out. Well, I'll tell you one thing, like, because I mean, I mean, even though it's like it's a cop drama, it still kind of enters that type of heroic thing, which seems to be like the norm ever since. Give or take, well, you know, the MCU kind of like just started smashing things on, you know, in, in the cinema. But if you think about it, I'm not sure anybody who's got a Netflix account. You've got shows like Shadow. Big Joe literally just mentioned to me about that, the Turkish one called The Protector, which is like a, a superhero stroke, Assassin's Creed Knights of the Templar type of TV show. Mm, yeah, um, I saw the trailer for that. You saw the trailer one, yeah? Mm. Uh, yeah, and like, yeah, I, I know a couple of other people that watch it as well. But we just had this influx of like these stories, which we only usually like, you know, just think it's from the West, you know, from like the US or from the UK. But you got it from everywhere, man. It's like South Africa, Turkey. Obviously, China have their own. Um, I watched one the other day. It was like a Russian version, an up-to-date Russian version of like Sherlock with the guy who directed Nightwatch. Because you know the guy who directed Nightwatch and Daywatch? He's an actor mm. as well. Yeah, and he directed it. And it's like a whole series. It's, but TV and film is just, I mean, it's killing it right now when you're not bogged down by franchising and stuff. Even though... Is like people are just copying, but they're coming with their own style of things. It's it's interesting. I, I'm really I'm really stoked for that one. Mm, mm, definitely, I, I'm I'm here for it. But just thinking, do you think they're oversaturated now with all these hero kind of films and TV shows? I know they've always existed, mm -hmm. but do you think we're getting a lot in abundance now? 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely more of them now um, because obviously people have seen the success of, of the MCU. So, um, you know, they've seen how successful that's been. And, and um, you know, the, the, the one thing is when there's a trend in, in movies or, or TV shows or anything like that, if something seems to be trending in a, a certain direction and people seem to be gravitating towards it, then others are going to look at it and say, yeah, that's what we need to do. Um, so there's definitely more. Um, but, you know, as, as I always kind of say to people, you know, there, there's plenty of other things out there as well. Um, so it's not, you know, that you have to watch all of these superhero things and nothing else. There, there's plenty of other, um, you know, really good quality like TV shows and uh, movies and, and, and all types of things that, that are coming out that you can engage with as well. So, you know, there's no reason why you can't have a balance and, and watch a, a bit of, you know, a bit of superhero stuff and then a bit of drama and then maybe, you know, some comedies and there, there's loads of things. So it, it's just a case of whether people want to actually go out and watch some of these other things too, or whether they, you know, they, they're just getting kind of caught up in franchise hype. But um, yeah, I, you know, I always say like, Go out and try other things. You know, we make recommendations here um, on Wulong Talks. We don't just recommend superhero things. We recommend, you know, the, the lots of other things that, that we see. Um, so, yeah, there's there's plenty there for people to to engage with, really. But um, yeah, man, I mean, we might as well kind of get down to to business. But before we do that, actually, we should probably just say a few words um, briefly because we had um, two really tragic passings um, quite recently in, in the pop culture world. Um, firstly, uh, the director, John Singleton, passed away. Um, you know, he is somebody whose who's work has kind of, I think it's fair to say, really kind of galvanized a, a fil the film industry at the time. And, um, you know, he's somebody who his imprint and, and the things that he did within the industry are, are, are really huge. And a lot of it, you kind of, it almost passes you by until, um, you know, he passed away and people started talking about, you know, how much he, he did in within the industry. And you're kind of like, wow, this, this guy did so much work that, you know, you didn't even realize a lot of the time it was him. Um, you know, obviously the, the movie that kind of always stays with me of his is, is Boys in the Hood. Um, but you know, there's so much other work he did. There's higher learning, um, you know, four brothers, um, you know, too oh, fast. Yeah. Um, you know, he did, <laughs> yeah, he did, you know, a lot of different movies. Um, and then he was branching out into TV cause he has that, that TV show snowfall, I think it's called, um, that, that is, I, I think it's on BBC America. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, there's a lot of work that he did and um, it, it seems like a lot of the people who worked with him always kind of talked about the type of energy he brought to his work and, um, you know, the the kind of emotional honesty that he always brought and, and that really kind of comes through. And, and the fact that so many of the people who worked for him were kind of, you know, outpouring their, their grief and sharing their stories and their memories with him kind of speaks a lot of, uh, you know, the type of man that he was and, and, and what he did. So, um, yeah, we definitely have to, you know, pay our respects to him. Um, and also we, we sadly lost uh, Peter Mayhew, um, the mm -hmm. actor who portrayed Chewbacca um, from the original Star Wars series and also in the prequels. Um, you know, again, somebody who people seem to have like absolutely nothing bad to say about at all. 
Um, he seemed to be a guy who, you know, was genuinely loved and, and respected by all the people who worked with him. Um, and, you know, it's not a, a stretch for me to say that that Chewie became one of my favorite characters in, in the Star Wars franchise because of him and, and because of, you know, what he did with the the character. Um, and there were so many, you know, kind of little ticks and, and little things that he added to, to Chewie, even though he was under heavy sort of prosthetics and, and makeup that that made his kind of personality stand out and, and gave Chewie personality and gave Chewie, you know, um, life. So, yeah, definitely RIP to, to uh, Peter Mayhew as well. Um, Richard, do you, did you want to say a few words about Peter Mayhew as well? Because I know, you know, obviously um, being our resident Star Wars guru. Um, yeah, please do say a few words, man. Um, well, yeah, like you said, man, like, he's the one character in the whole universe that, didn't, that never had any, like, subtitles. Yeah, you could say, like, a thousand words in it. I mean, obviously, that's him bouncing off with, like, you know, you know um, with Harrison Ford playing Han Solo and stuff. But he is that, he is that just, he's that beloved character. Um, yeah, and, and he's definitely brought something to the universe. I mean, he obviously, obviously he's trained up the other kid, you know, plays him in, like, the new films and stuff. But it wasn't like they just got a new actor and then basically, you know, put him in a Chewbacca suit. Like, apparently, Peter Mayhew um, did a bit of filming on The Force Awakens with this guy. So the guy could, like, learn his mannerisms and stuff. And he was like, I wasn't there to learn his mannerisms. I was there to be taught how to be Chewbacca. And so, like, he put up a really, really good post of him as well. Um, I'm sure, Big Joe, you know, you're, we used to watch Star Wars when we were, like, in school and stuff. Um, but before you start, and also don't forget we lost Luke Perry as well, man. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I forgot about that. That was, um, yeah, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> that really came yeah. out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. yeah, hold on, <laughs> Big Joe's literally just gone to me like, and he's marvelling it like, what nine hundred two one zero? Yeah, nine hundred two one zero. Read the news. I don't you read the news? Don't you? Yeah, listen to the news, watch the news, depending on what medium you're using these days. Wow. Yeah, he's gone. Okay. Yeah, that was very sad. Man. He's in shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, listeners. Um, Big Joe lives underneath a rock, so he doesn't really, you know, always keep up with the news as as and when he should. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's been a sad time, really. You said, you know, that's um really three kind of pillars of of um the the arts that have gone and who made such huge contributions to people's lives um with the work that they did so yeah rest in power to to all three of them man um but yeah let's move on let's get into avengers endgame because um that's what we're here for that's what we're here to talk about that's what you want to hear us talk about so let's do this man so what we'll do is um you know, I'll come to each of you with uh, just some of your kind of spoiler thoughts on the movie and, and the things that kind of stood out for you and um, the things that you enjoyed, um, the things that you didn't enjoy. Uh, and then from there, we'll dive straight into the, the listeners' questions because I said we've we've got quite a lot of them and I think we've, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Um, we'll also try and do uh, a little bit about what we think the future of the MCU might look like and, and give you an idea of kind of um, maybe some characters to look out for and some potential movie franchises that are uh, rumored to be coming over the horizon soon. Um, and we'll try and tie in kind of how the Disney Plus shows will, will fit in with 
um, what Marvel is doing going forward as well. Um, but I said, yeah, uh, initial thoughts, guys. So, I mean, I loved it. <laughs> me, me and uh, Rich talked about this on our Instagram live feed. Uh, if you haven't seen that video, by the way, I've now put that up on our website. Um, so you can go to our website and actually take a look at the um, video that we put up. It's a non-spoiler chat that uh, Rich and I had on, on Instagram. Um, and yeah, it was really cool because we, we just got to kind of, you know, revel in the joy of, of the experience of Avengers Endgame. Um, so I really love the movie. Rich, I know you really love the movie. Yeah. Um, Big Joe, let's start with you as you're the guest. Um, you know, what were your kind of uh, initial thoughts when you came out of Avengers Endgame after seeing it? Um, no, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it it was very um, satisfying. Mm. Um, if I go back to, obviously, Infinity War, um, I wasn't really a fan of Infinity War, so my expectations of going to watch this film was kind of, uh, let's see what they kind of bring. But watching it, I enjoyed it. And obviously, I was very satisfied. So, yeah, it was a good film. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you. Um, and Rich Kid, yeah, uh, yeah, just sum up your thoughts if you can. Yeah, I loved it as well. But same thing for me. I wasn't the biggest fan of Infinity War. Um, I felt that Infinity War has gotten better for me with repeated watches. Whereas, like with Endgame, I mean, Endgame, this, this Endgame is 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 just perfect. Like I said, like Big Joe called it satisfying. I, I call it like a, a, a just a beautiful ending. Like it is, it tied up. I mean, as much as it left like questions open, it also tied up so many loose ends. And at the same time, it was a, a big, massive homage to everyone that's been here for the past ten years. Obviously, like with the time travel stuff, which we'll get into. Um, but just keeping in tune with the mannerisms of everyone that we've been following over this whole saga. Which is another thing which I'll probably t touch up on as well. But yeah, I, I loved it. I, I, I'm surprised I haven't even seen it again. And I think that's only because of time. But yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, I've, I've only seen it once, but that's literally because of time constraints. That isn't for any other reason. So, um, you know, if, if I had the time, I trust me, I would have gone to see it multiple times. I just haven't had the time to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, satisfying is a really good word to use, Big Joe. I think that that's kind of how I felt as well. I felt like, um, you know, I was very satisfied with, with what I got from the movie. Um, it felt, you know, as you said, Rich, like a very fitting end um, to the Infinity Saga, as it, as it will now be known. Um, it felt like a, a something that really was a, a celebration almost of the MCU and of what they kind of have achieved over the last 11 years. And, um, you know, when we look back on it, and I, I know you've said this before, Richard, and I'm just going to echo kind of what you've said, but this is, you know, such a remarkable achievement, just taking the film aside for a second. Um, you know, the, the, the achievement that they've reached to have a franchise that has been this successful uh, for 11 years is kind of unheard of in the industry. I mean, they really have kind of, they've changed the, the, the movie industry. They've turned it on its head um, to the point where, you know, as, as you guys kind of mentioned earlier, and as Joseph was mentioning earlier, you know, they, everybody wants to have a franchise now because of the success of the MCU. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, it, it's, it's all well and good saying you want one, but it's another thing entirely to try and pull it off. Um, 
and the fact that they've been able to do that with very very few hiccups along the way is is just remarkable um really and an end game as said is is kind of the perfect ending really um so you know it, it was a movie that i felt really really satisfied by when i, I left the cinema um what did you guys think were like the the biggest strengths of of the movie in terms of the things that really stood out and made you go, yeah, I'm really into this? Um, you know, were were there like specific kind of story beats that you enjoyed, or was it you know kind of seeing the characters interact with each other, or was it getting to kind of um, into the time travel side of things and seeing them revisit you know kind of uh, past events in in the MCU? What what sort of were the things that that kind of stood out? I guess, um, Rich, you can go first. Um, obviously the final battle at the end, mm. like I said, for, for me, the thing that was the thing that I felt disappointed with in Infinity War was the battle in Wakanda. Mm. Like, what we got in Endgame is what we should have had in Infinity War, and then what we should have got in Endgame should have been 10 times more, be like 10 times better than that. I mean, I'm not sure if that's possible, but yeah, but so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, like the, the end scene, I mean, we've got the podcast where we called out. Um, what we think was going to happen and I've, I've been saying it for weeks I was like listen if I watch this Endgame film and Captain America doesn't pick up the hammer at any point in the movie and if at any point he doesn't say Avengers Assemble in fact if it, not even one of those two if he didn't say both of those things I would have I would have said the film was shit because that was that, that was Iceland I would have walked out of the cinema but the end scene and Avengers Assemble and Captain America picking up Thor's hammer this is stuff I've been thinking of since I've been five years old I've actually got the issue the first time when Captain America picks up Thor's hammer. Um, it's him on the front cover, and I think he might have even been—he might not have even been Captain America. He might have been just the agent, with like the black and the black, red, and white costume, which was given to John Walker like, like years later. Um, and they finally gets a bunch of of like um, Hydra or AIM soldiers. But yeah, yeah, that scene. I mean, we can we can go all night about it, but that scene, yeah, that was awesome, man. That that's the one that got me. Ah, okay, cool, cool, cool. How about you, Big Joe? What was the um the the thing that kind of really did it for you? Right. Well, we might go back to that picking up the hammer scene later. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Might be mm. words and that, but what did it for me was obviously seeing all the characters. Well, not all of them, minus one, deal with defeat. I thought that was <laughs> amazing. Um, they've never really had to deal with defeat like that, and to see how they portrayed it on screen and how it all looked, I liked it. Kind of why I kind of liked. Jessica Jones, you've got someone who's not a superhero, just trying to live an ordinary life, but she's got powers, kind of, these guys were trying to live an ordinary life, because obviously what happened, and I like seeing that. Everybody showed or display some sort of kind of guilt or defeat, and I liked it. Except Captain America, which obviously I didn't quite understand. He's just literally too super. He showed no obviously defeat in the beginning. Well, we talking about spoilers here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, if you haven't listened, okay, let's make it straight. If you haven't seen Avengers Endgame right now, it's your own fucking fault. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so when we start looking, obviously, you see him in the beginning, and obviously he looks okay throughout the rest of when everyone's interacting and everyone's showing how they're dealing with it. He's still fine. So I think they could have done more of his character to show, obviously, how he was dealing with it. The only thing that you kind of hear him say is that Oh, you know, reminiscent of, oh, he wished, obviously, he got to live with his long-lost love. But apart from that, I liked the whole defeat thing for everyone and how they picked themselves back up and move forward. I just think that's obviously how life is. So that's what I enjoyed the most. 
Okay, here's one. Here's one for you. I've actually just had a little bit of a brainstorm now. And you said you said in your portrayal of Captain America's idea, you know, the way how he's dealing with defeat, he, like you don't think that he dealt with it. Properly. Yeah, he didn't come across like he was dealing. No, but he, could you say this? He is, and I, and I mean, I can't remember where he's. In fact, he says it multiple times. He says it in the first Captain America film. I'm sure he's said it in Avengers, and it may not be the same thing he says over and over again, but he always seems to like hammer it home that oh, he says it in Age of Ultron. He always seems to hammer it home that. Even when you have a war, even when somebody wins, there's always a loser. There's always a loss, to even to the people who have who have some way won. So I think when you get into some of those type of situations, he's kind of just like, yeah, I know this. This is this is what comes of war. You get all those people that do the celebration and stuff, but the people that get their hands dirty and get gritty and everything, like you know, that's it. Like you, 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 he just has that that old school hard war horse mentality. You know that like when we talk about our parents or our grandparents and they were able to do things that we couldn't even we couldn't even do now like they work like like 20 hours a day and shit we can't do that he comes from that era so he understands and has felt a loss anyway you know he like he has to, he just has that strong belief that you just need to stay strong it's like it, it is what it is yeah no it can be because obviously we know obviously he's a super soldier so there mm. might be obviously that but um i just think they they could have just made him feel for me they could have just made him they could humanise him a little bit to show that not everything was great. Mm. Um, and I think that like the scene would you have with when Tony Stark comes off um, the ship and the first thing he says is, um, I lost the kid. I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the speech he gives after that, when he just realises, hit him hard, that we've just lost everything. Um, yeah. that's, that's, that was all good. Um, but then, sorry, it's cut you off, but that's what I'm trying to say. So it's like, you got the bit where he gives that speech. Remember, Iron Man isn't like known to make weapons and he's helped bat he knows how he knows how to protect and to battle and to fight. But he's not a warrior, he's a soldier. Because when that bit when Tony Stark is unloading off on him, and then they try and like I think somebody tries to stop it and says, like, you know, like Tony back up. Captain America or Steve Rogers, whatever you want to call him, he just basically goes, No, no, let him get off his chest. Because he understands what he's going through. Like he's he's immune to it. Anybody else if you think about Captain America and Iron Man's first face-off in Avengers, and then you think of the face-off that they have during Age of Ultron, like he that he understands what it's like to lose. But when he sees Tony Stark, he's like, "No, fuck it. I know what this guy's been through. I'm not going to have an argument with him, whether he's physically able or not." Is that he's now seen what it's like? So that's that's why I thought. So I'm in saying what you're saying. That that's that's like when you're saying it now. That's what that's what I'm getting when I remember or go back to that scene. Okay. Um, what do you think, Jay? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I kind of, I, I suppose I rationalized it in the sense that, um, kind of in the way Richard said, really, in the sense that um, Steve Rogers is a soldier. Um, he's somebody who has fought through, you know, World War II. He's fought against... Um, an institution that he believed in um, turning against him. Um, he has fought through, you know, losing friends. He has he has seen uh, his surrogate family kind of torn apart by an argument between himself and and Tony Stark. He's been through a lot, and I think um, he more than anybody really would understand that um, defeat will come. And so I don't think it, it hits him. Um, I, I don't think he, he's one who kind of is given towards outward, um, you know, kind of 
expressions of, of defeat and and loss and, and things like that in the way that some of the other characters do. Um, I think that he just is, is somebody who is used to it, to be honest. He, he's, he's probably kind of prepared himself for the eventuality that we will lose. And I mean, going back to uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, um, you know, you remember the, the speech that Tony Stark calls back to um, in uh, Endgame where he says, you know, you remember I wanted to put a suit of armor around the world and, you know, um, I told you that we would lose and you said we would do um, that together, you know. Um, and it kind of shows that, that Steve is aware that defeat is always just around the corner um, and that you kind of have to be pre prepared for that. Um, and I think that that's why he kind of is is able to adjust to the the scenario better than than some of the other characters are. Um, you know, if you could trust him with with say four, four is is somebody who, you know, despite many losses, he always wins in the end, um, especially in in the MCU. So that defeat will, will kind of hit four hard and it does hit four hard throughout the movie, which is why he, he ends up um, in depression. But, you know, for Captain America, it's to him, you know, defeat is said is, is only ever, you know, two days away really. So I think with the mentality that he has, um, it's not something that he's going to express outwardly, even though inwardly he may well be, be struggling to deal with, um the the losses of of people that he loved you know um so yeah i guess that's how i kind of saw it really um but yeah i mean we we might as well kind of unless you lot want to talk about anything else um before we get into the list of questions because a lot of the list of questions cover a lot of the things that um we were going to talk about anyway but um yeah i mean if you guys wanted to add anything else or to bring up any other points separately um now's the time man so shoot no, I'm good. Yeah, you're good to go. Big Joe, did you have anything else you wanted to get off your chest? No, I think we'll pick it up later on um, with yeah. some of the questions. But, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, as I said, listeners, these are the questions that came in from you. So thank you very much for sending these in. We really appreciate it. Um, we'll start off with uh, some of the questions we got from Instagram. So first question uh, comes to us from uh, Kensia88. And she asked, what's the deal with Nebula? How is she still alive? Um, who wants to take that one first? <laughs> Big Joe does. Big Joe does, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, Big Joe, um, what, what did you make of, of kind of Nebula and what they did with her in the story? And did you kind of understand how she was still able to be alive after basically killing a, a version of herself? Well... Um, I thought what they did with Nebula was quite good. You got a bit more from, obviously, her, from what we've previously seen. Um, so I liked, obviously, the development they was doing with her. This is where I start to critique now, obviously, the film, because I just thought the whole thing around time travel, um, I wasn't really happy with. I think there was other ways they could have did, did this without time travel. But they've done it. All right, fair enough. Um, how is she still alive? Well... That's a good question. We get the rules explained, obviously, by the ancient one saying as soon as something changes, it creates a multi-universe. So I'm guessing that from when they've gone back into the past, 
that's created another timeline. So that nebula is now different to the one that's in our current timeline. And it all gets a bit confusing. It's not simple, like straightforward, like Back to the Future. It's more or less going with quantum leap kind of ideology of how it works, um, which is a bit weird. So yeah, that's my take on it, Jay. Still a bit confused myself. <laughs> okay, well, Rich, I think you're going to have to explain it to him and to, um, and, to, <laughs> and to the listener as well. So yeah, if you could break it down, please. I'm not even sure. I've actually forgotten what I thought it was, you know. So you're going to have to help me. <laughs> um, so the, the the nebula that comes back. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. has it? So if she gets killed, it, it doesn't it create a, a separate timeline or no? No, it doesn't. Um, basically, the, 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 the rules are that, you know, people, um, as you said, Joe, when, once you kind of um, go back in time, uh, according to quantum theory, um, if you, you know, from this day, 2019, decided to go back, you know, to 2012, um, you create like a, almost a separate, tile, uh, like a time paradox, basically, a separate kind of branch of time. Um, and the you that exists in that time paradox doesn't necessarily have to be the same as the the, the time uh, as the person who has gone back from this current reality, as was the case with Nebula, who you saw was you know very different because of her experiences that have gone on within the MCU over the past eleven years was a very different character to the one that we met in twenty twelve. Um, now, if you, my understanding is if that if you die so if that version of you dies in 2012 or dies in um 2019 then you cease to exist in that 2012 timeline but it doesn't mean that you cease to exist as a person in 2019 um, because you still exist right is that what happened with bishop from the x-men is that how we yes yeah exactly like yeah yeah so, he, so he's almost like he's in his timeline it's almost like he's walking side by side with his own timeline yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm with. So I think that the reason why she's still al alive, to answer your question, Kensia, is that I think um, because of um, these time paradoxes, as, as said, and, and because of how they've laid out the rules for time travel in this movie, um, even if a version of you dies, you know, in another universe. Um, it doesn't affect you in your universe because it's a separate thing. It walks, um, as, as Richard said, it, it, the, the timeline kind of walks side by side with your timeline, but it, the two never cross over. So um, effectively, that's how, in, as my understanding of it is, that's how Nebula um, is able to still be alive. Um, okay, uh, the next question comes to us from Trinity One to One, um, and she asked. Uh, why did Iron Man have to be killed? Um, now I had to shorten this down because it was basically just a rant because she was upset that <laughs> Tony Stark is no longer with us. Um, but there's probably two answers to this. There is the kind of MCU storyline answer and then there's just the cold hard reality answer. I could do the cold hard reality answer. Um, but Rich and Big Joe, I know you, you're, you're passionate about Iron Man, so I let you guys take the storyline answer as to why he had to die. Well, well, I would like to hear your cold hard um, reality answer first. <laughs> the cold hard one? Yeah. Um, the cold hard one is that he would cost too much money. You know, Robert Downey Jr. was very, very expensive. Um, he got, you know, for Civil War, he, he was paid, um, I think it was 40 million they guaranteed him as a paycheck. Plus, he was given um, 
a percentage of the back end, I think 5% of, of the box office receipts. Um, and he negotiated that for every film after that. That's why you didn't see a lot of him after Civil War. Um, he got the same deal, I believe, for Spider-Man Homecoming as well. Um, and his Infinity War paycheck was insane. And apparently the Endgame paycheck was insane as well. Um, and I think Disney just kind of went, you know what? Like, really, do we need to keep paying this guy this much money? <laughs> like, So I suspect that, you know, it came to a point where it was like, okay, we've kind of, you know, we've given this guy 10 years in, in the franchise. He's, he's made us a lot of money and it's great, but he's got to a point where he's too big for us now. Um, we, we just can't afford him anymore. Well, not that they can't afford him. They, they, they don't want to pay him that amount of money going forward. Um, so I think that's the, the, the cold, hard reason why, why they killed him off. Um, but yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, that's the first I've heard of that. I just thought that it was just a conscious decision from him where he was like, you know what? This is the first type of character I've played for X amount of time. Um, I've cemented it. I'd rather go out on a high than, than not. I don't know. I, I reckon, I think that's what it was because to be honest, the film's on its way to making three bill. We can only assume that. So whatever they paid Robert Downey, like, you know, he's worth, he's worth his money in change. The same way how he negotiated the money for, you know, for the other Avengers that when as each film went on, he was asked, asking for pay rise for himself, but also asking for a pay rise for the others, which they all got. I'm not sure how much they got though. So I mean, like they're worth their money. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they're not worth the money. Um, yeah. it, it's I just, just a decision, decision by by himself. He, he's probably still, he's probably going to go into executive producing some of these films anyway. Yeah, which yeah. which will probably work out um, a, a lot cheaper for Disney in the long run, rather yeah. than having to pay him as, as a performer. Yeah. So um, you know, it, it's not that he he wasn't worth the the, the money that they they paid him. Um, I think you just got to think of it in the way that you know a capitalist film studio is going to think of it, which is again, why do we need to keep paying somebody x amount of money if we've hit a certain ceiling with um, this person that we're working with? You know, at what point do we say, you know what, enough's enough. You're you're eating into to our profits now. So, um, you know, I think from from that perspective, it, it was probably always something that, that was going to happen, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, from a storyline point of view, um, why do you think that Iron Man kind of came to an end or Tony Stark came to an end in, in, in Avengers Endgame? It fed in with his, it fed in with the character that they created for him. Um, he was always like, always about himself. Um, didn't really care about much people, most people. Um, and obviously in Endgame, he changed. He developed into something else. He had a family. He realized what obviously sacrifice now meant. And so it was a fitting end for him. So that's what obviously it made sense in the storyline to obviously have him die. Do right. I agree with it? I'm in the middle. I'm sitting on the fence with this one, to be honest. Um, I can go either way with if that should have happened to him or should it be someone else. Um, yeah, kind of what I'm with. Rich. Um, <laughs> why did Iron Man? Why did Iron Man have to die? Yeah. Um, yeah, same thing. It, it follows the narrative of the, of, you know, of, of Tony Stark. Um, it just, like I said, he starts off with this guy who who profits off war and then gets this his moral compass readjusted 
but he still has all the flaws of like the dickhead that he was from the get-go but now he's just a lovable dickhead because you know he's trying to do the right thing he's almost that he's almost like the stiffler of the mcu and he's that guy that hangs around with you and he's a bit of a dick and you're just like why are we hanging around with him and you're like no but it's cool people still in it so you got that um but the same thing i think it it goes back to that you know something which they started in avengers and which they really really capitalized on in avengers uh, sorry in captain america civil war where you've got this superhero based world that has the superhero element and like you know oh you know we've got to do the right thing and then you've got this like real life element to it and when you see captain america and iron man arguing is the talks that they have to each other like captain america constantly says to iron man you know what you're not that guy to like you know to be the last person or to take the bullet you know, to save a whole team. And then Tony Stark has the, you know, his retort to Captain America, which is, well, you know, you're not even that special. Everything that makes you great came out of a tube. If you didn't have this, would you still be that person? So when Iron Man does do the deed in Iron Man, in, so at the end of Avengers, there's still that narcissistic view of him. Like, I remember that time when I say of the universe and like everyone around in the rest of the Avengers go, yeah, we've heard it, you know, we've heard it before. And even though it, bothers him through PSTD and there is still that narcissistic thing of that yeah listen I did this so come by the end of it where he's got the full circle of the character he's going to do something for real he's going to see it through to the end he's prepared to sacrifice everything he's always had a bit of a comeback always had a bit you know a way to make it out but you know it, it completes you know the, the self that the one major selfless thing that Tony Stark has done especially since he's got everything after the event of the fallout He's like, but but the good thing that came up from Thanos' snap is that Tony Stark finally got his life. He became selfless. So mm -hmm. yeah. So if you touch on that, do you think it should have been him? I don't think it should have been him because I still want Robert Downey Jr. in the Marvels in the Marvel universe. I'm greedy like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind watching Star Trek Six with William Shatner and he's 76 and he's pretending to be like 34. And every time he, every time he just walks normally, it looks like you can tell he's a stunt double because he's that old. I don't mind if they do that, Robert Downey Jr. because it's it's a character that he brings, it's not necessarily the physical aspect. He can probably like phone in his lines and then they just do it, see each other, and they can get away with it. So on a personal level, nah, it shouldn't have been him. In the film, yes, it should have, and also because it's Tony Stark which kickstarts. The Marvel Universe. Yeah, we, know the, yeah, we, know, we know there are heroes that come before him, but Stone Stark is essentially, he is issue one of the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe, which came out what, 1961, the Golden Age. For him to end it, basically what we're going to be getting next is going to be called, what, is it the Bronze Age? You get the Golden Age, the Bronze Age, and then you're going to get the Modern Age. So his, his, his death has basically entered us into a new era. A new age of MCU, like literally. Yeah, okay. I would agree with that. I would agree with all of that. I think, um, you know, as as you rightly said, it's it was a callback to, um, you know, the argument that he and Steve Rogers had in Avengers Assemble, where you know, Steve basically said, "You're not the guy to make the suicide play." Like, you know, you're not the guy who would put his life on the line um, when it matters. Um, and it was, you know, the, them showing that actually, yeah, when push comes to shove, he will put his life on the line and he will sacrifice himself um, to save others. Um, and ultimately, you know, that that's what they did. And I, I, I thought it was um, really fitting and for his character, 
to to show you know as Richard really well really brilliantly explained the the development that he's gone through from you know being this kind of narcissist um self-absorbed kind of guy to to somebody who you know it was able to develop and to learn and to still had his flaws but you know ultimately was able to make um the sacrifice needed to save the day um so yeah you know i thought it was a, a beautiful ending for him really um so yeah i hope that answers your question trinity um well, I on that jay Mm -hmm. Do you think he should have been the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the you. <laughs> Do I think he should have been the one? Yeah, um, yeah even though I, I didn't think he would be. I, I was insistent that it was going to be Captain America. Mm. Um, but I I felt it would be one of the two um, who, who would be killed. Um, and I kind of thought it was going to be Captain America because of where, you know, his his kind of story arc was going and because the, the, the foundations they laid for his character and uh, what they told us about Steve Rogers and the type of person that he was, I thought that when the moment came, it would be Steve Rogers who would, who would uh, lay his life on the line. Um, so I was, you know, a little bit surprised it was Iron Man. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally do think it, it should have been him. Um, just because I said, for, for all the reasons said previously, because it, to me, it's a brilliant end for um this amazing character that that robert danny jr is um you know created and, and given life to so um yeah yeah i was happy with that um okay let's move on to another question we've got um ah we've got a couple of questions here from mikey b uh okay the first one um is do you think captain marvel as of now is good enough to lead the new avengers um, and the second question is, do you think it's too soon for Captain America to be retired? So, um, first question, I'll repeat that because you guys probably didn't hear that. So I'll repeat it. Uh, do you think Captain Marvel as of now is good enough to lead the new Avengers? Mm. <sighs> <laughs> That's quite, that's a difficult one. Um, well, I, I will jump in and say, um, first of all, you're assuming that Captain Marvel is going to be leading the new Avengers. Um, we don't actually know that that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, that all they've said is that Captain Marvel will be at the forefront of the new MCU, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Captain Marvel is going to be made the leader of the new Avengers if we even get a new Avengers, because for, for all we know at this point in time, we don't even know if there's going to be Avengers movies. Avengers movies as we know them may be completely different by the time a, a, another team-up movie comes out. So um, it's difficult to say whether, you know, Captain Marvel is, is good enough to lead a, a team that doesn't really exist at this point. Um, and secondly, we'd have to see what kind of happens with Captain Marvel in her individual movies because there's another sequel coming up. Um, and I kind of have a feeling that they're going to try and introduce maybe Alpha Flight and have her kind of have like her own team um, that she works with in space um, because of the big push towards kind of like driving the, the MCU towards, you know, cosmic storylines. Um, I think, you know, they're, they're going to do that. So we may not even see Carol Danvers on Earth that, that much at all um, going forward. So, 
it's too early to to kind of say really the the where you know that that character is going. But I mean, what do you guys think? Um, Captain Marvel leading the team. If you were to ask me if I think she could do it right now, I would say no, just because I felt the film was an entertaining romp. But it's well, number one, the coward diamonds that we've seen. Let's let's be honest. Is is only the nineteen ninety five version that we know of. We don't know what the characters what the characters like now. So it might be, it might even be a thing where we may not even like how she's portrayed. Um, I mean, those few seconds that we do get of her when she has dialogue, there seems to be a certain amount of like gusto that she has. Like she's seasoned, she's veteran. And um, um, so yeah, so I mean, it could be, but I don't know. I can't. I'm not sure if I'd like to. S- I'm not sure if I'd like to see her stock on Earth, to be honest. She's too much of a powerful character. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's well too OP to, to be part of the Avengers of what we've seen. You'll probably have to bring in a whole new Avengers team with super powerful characters for her to support her from what we've seen that she's able to do. I'm just trying to think in my head. She'll have to probably lead from afar. How they go in their normal kind of adventures and what they do will be difficult to include her in there, I think. And that's why I think in the film she only came at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that, you know that's the, you know that's the reason why that happened. Yeah, that's why she came at the end. Is because it's like if she'd been there, if it'd be imagine if it'd been her, Thor, <laughs> Captain America with a hammer now, yeah, <laughs> and Iron Man. But yeah, no, come on, that wouldn't have lasted. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think that um, I suspect that Captain Marvel will be staying in space um mm. for for the reasons that you guys said um and purely because i think that you know that with the as I said with the push that marvel is taking to kind of drive stories towards um the cosmic side of the marvel universe it, it just makes more sense to to kind of have her there um and as I said maybe you build this you know you big joe said maybe you build a team around her from space with characters um who you know kind of live in that realm and uh, have like maybe a similar power set or a similar strength set to her um but yeah i don't necessarily see her being a, a leader of avengers on earth at this point so yeah i don't think that's going to happen um and the other question he had was uh do you think it was too soon for captain america to be retired um my answer is no um i think it's fine for him to, to to be retired at this point um as said we've been through 10 years worth of, of captain america's stories he's appeared in eight movies i think uh, it was at last count um yeah, seven or eight it's yeah seven or eight um and yeah no i i don't think that it's too soon for for that to happen really he's he's had a long time as captain america and he's been through a lot he probably deserves a rest so um yeah, you know, I I didn't really have an issue with that. Um, Big Joe, how about you? Well, um, I understand what you're saying. I kind of think it is a little bit too early, if I'm honest. Um, they should have made him go somewhere, sit out a couple of films, and then bring him back. Um, that's what I would have probably liked to see going forward. Um, they could probably still do it. They could probably go get him from another multi-universe somewhere and say, yeah, let's bring him back. But I think what they gave us, I guess, is satisfying, but I would have liked him. He disappeared and he didn't come back. And when he does come back, obviously, 
shouldn't have made him age. He should have still been that kind of young Steve Rogers ready to go again. That's how I feel what they should have done with him. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But the problem with that is, I think um, Chris Evans has said a number of times that he kind of is done with Marvel and the MCU in a sense that, you know, he will go back and, and do like sort of short appearances if they ask him to. But long term, he doesn't really see himself having much of a future with the MCU again because he's been playing the same character for, you know, 10 years. Um, so he's kind of got to a point where he, he professionally, he wants to do other things. He's, he's very interested in, um, directing movies. He, he directed a movie, I think two or three years ago, um, that was quite well received. So he's keen on that. He's gone back to doing the theater again. Um, and you know, it, it's a massive commitment to be Captain America, not just in, you know, a storyline sense, but in real life, it, it's a huge commitment is many, many kind of appearances that he has to make and, and, you know, media commitments that he has to keep. Um, and all of those things are, are time consuming. Um, and I guess if you're somebody like him who wants to explore other things, then, you know, do you really want to be kind of be told, oh, no, 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 you need to stay here because we might need you in, you know, five years from now. Um, or would you rather have your character come to an ending that, you know, isn't finite and isn't definite ending, but certainly enough of an ending to say that I can, you know, quietly hang up my, my shield and, and cowl and, um, you know, go off and, and do other things. And I think, you know, the, he would probably choose the, the latter if it was down to him. So, so yeah, it doesn't really, um, it, it doesn't really bother me that that he was, um, you know, that he was written out of the story in in that way. I felt again, I felt it was a really fitting ending for a character that, you know, I've really loved and and really enjoyed over the the last ten years. But um, you know, he deserves a rest. So, yeah, I thought it was fine. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose obviously the personal interests of the actual actor, yes, and what they want to do. But obviously, as a fan. No, I don't think they should have retired. Gone <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, chilled out for a little while, and then obviously, if they wanted to bring in a new Captain America, then they should have done that, and we probably still would have probably took time to warm up to the new character uh, or the new actor playing, obviously um, Captain America. But we still would have loved it. But now we have okay, an an aging Captain America, and we're thinking, well, what we're going to do now? That's how I see it in my head as a fan. <laughs> okay, cool. Fair enough. Um, Richard, did you want to add anything else? Yeah, you know, the fan of me wishes I could still see Chris Evans as Captain America. Because number one, he, he just embodies America and and he has America's ass. And isn't, 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 so, I, I, sorry to cut you off, but isn't it just ironic as well that this most American of characters came to be embodied by a Canadian? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so ironic. Like, he, because when you look at him, as you said, to me, like Chris Evans is Captain America. When I see his face, I think Captain America. When I hear his voice, I hear Steve Rogers. Yeah. And yet he's a Canadian dude. Like it's just it's just weird, you know. Like but sorry, looks, go on. He looks like his name should be Brad or Ace and he rides a surfboard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and his dad you know, yeah. basketball in, in the garage, like when, you know, when he's been thinking about ladies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he dead. Yeah. But um I mean, the one thing that I one, one thing that a lot of people seem to have forgotten, like I said, is that this is like ten years in the making. That's number one. Number two, some of these actors have portrayed 
a character more than some of our most beloved characters. Mm. So I remember some somebody did um Robert Downey Jr. has been Iron Man ten times. Yeah? That's including cameos. Yeah. And that's more appearances as a character than the most popular James Bond. Mm. So if you think about it, James Bond is a franchise which has what gone over what was it fifty years? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Fifty years. So you've got these people like Robert Downey Jr., like Chris Evans, where they're just like, you know what? We need to be able to like spread our wings because you think about it. When they once they sign to Marvel, they're like, I wouldn't say they're on standby, but they know that every couple of years they're tied to a commitment, which you know, which can be short or it can be like extra super lengthy. Especially if you're going to be, you know, working on one film, which might tie into one straight away, you know. So let's say, like, you know, if, for example, we're, we're basically um, Infinity War and Endgame are prime examples, where, give or take, people in between these two films weren't really allowed to do a lot, or they maybe had to squeeze something in. And so, you know, like you said, when you, when you have these guys who are true performers and they want to be able to expand in, in themselves as, you know, as an actor or an actress... Yeah, then you know you, you know you know when it's done. You know, like mm. it, you know, it's not it's not a personal thing. I think it's just a thing mm. of like it is actual growth. They've yeah. grown this character, and then during this period, they've grown, you know, as you know, as as, as an actor as well. They say the same thing in Lord of the Rings when they when they wrap up Lord of the Rings and they go, "We've been a family for like five years in Australia," you know, like whole families like relocated there and stuff like that. So come by the end of it, that's it. They were done. They had, they had that period and that's what this 10 year period is for some of these guys i reckon yeah 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 i would i would agree with that 100 percent, man I, f- I think you know as you said um you brought up you know the the family aspect of it with within relation to the lord of the rings and i think that also applies for um you know the the avengers and and the many characters of the mcu you know they they grew up together, you know, some of them, um, I, I remember seeing an interview with Mark Ruffalo and he was saying, you know, some of the cast members have had babies and, you know, there's, there's been like families have grown and, you know, there's been births, deaths and marriages all in bits shoved in between these 10 years of storytelling. Family so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, a lot has changed for them as, as, as people for, you know, these actors. So, um, for somebody like Chris Evans to to say, you know, I've I've had an amazing experience, but I think I'm ready to move on. That's fair enough. Um, I think so. Yeah, he's earned it. So let him have his rest, man. Let let Cap rest the shield. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Mikey's got a couple of other questions as well. We'll just run through these quickly. Um, first one is uh, looking back, was it the right decision to weaken Hulk and Thor? Um, Big Joe, I know you're a Hulk man. You know what, Jay, Jay, I know you got feelings about Hulk. Sit out. Let's just sit out and let and let him handle the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what what was your take, Big Joe? Yeah, for I understand. Um, he went through a lot, um, so I can understand why he was weakened. Obviously, he had nothing else. What he felt he lived for, he lost his family, um, he lost his home, um, and. I suppose he achieved what he set out to do and there was nothing else left for him. So I can understand how when they find him again, five years later, he's in a weakened state. I get that. That's fine. Hulk, on the other hand, I don't know what they've done. (laughs) Um, They really underused uh, that character. They could have made so much epic things happen if they use him. 
I just think personally the Russo brothers didn't like him. Um, that's what I think because I don't understand what they've done with him. Um, he was way too weakened in that. You don't even get any. I know we had this Professor Hulk noon improved like he had a therapy, um, but that's not Hulk. We know Hulk for smashing, yeah. Hulk smash. We didn't get nothing that. I think what we got was he hit a car, he threw a bike, and he threw a bench. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the bench is the best one. <laughs> I was disappointed. I I was hoping, I was sitting on the edge of my seat in the cinema, hoping that he was going to get a rematch with Thanos and he will show why he's the strongest there is. Never came. So disappointed in that. So um, going back to your question, was it the right decision? Hell no. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about that for Hope. But as for four, yes. But four gets a chance to redeem himself. That's and that's the thing, obviously, when I look at it like, okay, you got a chance. Whether or not you wasn't Stormbreaker kind of where you was in Infinity War, which again when he came in, well, to be honest, four is that powerful. But I can understand he sat out, he you know, he wasn't the same. Obviously, people referring to him as now as fat four. So, <laughs> you know, I can understand, you know, he's not the same. He needs to go, go to the gym, pump a few, you know, get back to normal. But Hulk, oh god, I, there's so many questions I have and disappointment in my emotions. I just don't know where to start with it all. Rich, take over, please. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, writing wise, I, I like what they did with the Hulk. And I think that was that may have been the biggest M Night Shyamalan plot twist in the whole of the end, uh, Avengers Endgame because nobody saw that coming. Yeah. I don't, I don't give a damn. To make him professor. To make him professor Hulk. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. No, that I mean, was, that I mean, was, pe people, good. yeah, people were like throwing it as like you know a theory, but I guarantee you, everyone who called it, much like myself when I said I called the hammer and called Avengers Assemble, you can imagine it. But when you saw it on the screen, even I was like, like, fuck, what? <laughs> God damn! Like they went there. Holy shit! These guys have done their research. Like, they, like they've they've thrown me for a loop. Um, but then yeah, but once again, I think as much as like the writing has continued the arc of Bruce Banner and the Hulk, I think yeah, like the, the Russos. I think they should have listened to what the what the audience want, and all the audience wants to see like you know character portrayal and and progression with the Hulk. But we also want to see the Hulk smash it. It's as simple as that. It's the same reason why we watch bloody three years and three movies of Bill Bixby changing into the Hulk and just catching bad guys and smashing stuff. We watch all the, I mean, as when you're a kid, you know, when he's Bruce Banner, it's the boring stuff. And when he's the Hulk, it's the good stuff. It's only when you get older and you watch it back and you're like, Bill Bixby did a really good portrayal of Bruce Banner. But, you know, there, we, we just want to see him smash it. You watch the cartoons, you just want to see him smash it. You know, as a kid, you just want to see him smash it. And as an adult, you want to see him become a better person. But ultimately, you want to see him smash it. I've actually thought of, an, of, a, of a scene of how I would have got him into the fight with Thanos and then basically get pulled out. But once everyone's done their thing, I'll, I'll, I'll give an idea. It's not properly 100% watertight, but it's, I think, something that would have given people um, a bit of satisfaction in their portrayal of the Hulk. Well no, let's just touch on that quickly because I think um, from obviously the first Avengers when um, Iron Man's talking and the guy says, I've got an army and he says, i got a Hulk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they could easily pay homage when obviously the scene came when 
you had a few of obviously Thanos's goons came and Hulk come and did something. If they didn't want to make him fight Thanos, make him do something, make him smash stuff, and show obviously why we like him for what it is. Like when I think of all the films for Avengers that he's been in, he's always done his little bit here and there. Even if he's fighting Iron Man, because he's lost control. And I think personally for me, they could explore that a bit more. Obviously, that rage that he has, that like when he reaches a point, they can't control him, and it takes. Like you have to do things to control him. I know they had that with um, is it the Black Widow? Yeah. And and there alone, when Black Widow obviously met her demise, I was expecting something. Yeah. Um, maybe they went back and looked at something else, and he just said, "Leave me the thought of obviously the Black Widow," and he went crazy. Give me something, but they didn't. Nothing at all. I don't even think he got involved in a fight at the end properly. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a background guy. Oh, look at <laughs> yeah, that. I saw him do some stuff, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm upset, Jay. I'm like, really I said, like I said, like <laughs> the question of the character, I like it, it makes sense. Hmm. But I don't like I said, Jay, you tell you you tell your side and then it'll give your opinion like and then I'll tell you what I what I would have done with a few scenes to give people the satisfaction but still stay on this which I think is quite bold move done by the Russo's. Um well I you know, um I suppose the the film fan in me liked what they did with the Hulk um, in in this movie. I, I found the Professor Hulk thing um, really certain that that came out of left field. Even though I kind of suspected that might have been coming um, after Infinity War, um, I did like that. Um, I think it makes sense. In the story to me it does make sense that that they've gone down that road and i don't feel like he did nothing at all in the sense that he was um the only character powerful enough to you know to wield the gauntlet and to basically bring everybody back well that's not um, true that, that's not true jay i'm sorry to interrupt you that's not true because you saw that obviously mr macgyver aka tony Stark, did it as well build stuff made a gauntlet in his yeah, house yeah but he died yeah but he died joe <laughs> hulk didn't die yeah. Hulk was was the only one strong enough to survive the the power of of the gauntlet. Um, you know, there was a, a reason why they didn't give it to Thor because Thor it was just in no shape to to be able to wield that that power and survive it. So the the only person who could survive it is Hulk. Um, and he even says, you know, the don't forget that the stones emit gamma radiation when they're um, in when when they're in use. So he kind of felt like it was his destiny to to do that, um, and to me that kind of made sense. I was like, oh yeah, of course, because you know that's why they bring Bruce Banner into Avengers in the first place is because the the Tesseract is giving off gamma radiation, um, and they don't understand what's happening with it. So, um, you know, from that point of view, I, I felt it was the the right thing to do. However, Big Joe, to keep you happy. Yes, I would have liked to see some more smashing from from Hulk. I think we all would have liked to see that. Um, I don't know why we didn't get to see it. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree that the Russo brothers don't like Hulk as a character. Um, I, I just think that basically they saw it as, you know, they'd given him such a big character arc over these two movies that, you know, to kind of then give him loads of, you know, uh, scene stealing bits would take away from some of the other characters. So um, I think in, you know, in the coin toss deciding who was going to do what, I think he was just the one to, to lose out in that regard. But 
Um, would I have liked to have seen a bit more Smash in? Yeah, sure. Like, of course, who doesn't want to see the Hulk smash? But it kind of, you know, it, as I said, it kind of makes sense to me. That That's the way I see it. Um, Rich, can you quickly do your, your pitch? Because we've still got a lot of questions to get through and we're running low on time as well. Okay, so. cool. All right, so what I would have done is basically what Big Joe said, is that the, the death of the Black Widow would have been the one thing that um, that places a crack in the Professor Hulk's brain. So there's like this little thing where, you know, the one thing that has kind of kept insane and maybe one of the things that he might have used to focus to get, you know, Banner and the Hulk in, into one personality would have been his memory of the Black Widow. So what I would have done is that at some point he's fighting against Thanos, um, maybe before the big three get there, and he's actually starting to get the upper hand on Thanos and he's just losing it. And you can slowly but surely see that savage side of the Hulk coming out. And it's been like the first time in like five years. So it's really, really starting to come through. Um, but for some unknown reason, they're not allowed to kill Thanos at that point. I haven't thought any reason why. And then the other Avengers have to calm the Hulk down, basically because that's when the building gets shut down. And, the bit, and they basically, he's the strongest Avenger that there is. So he has to go and hold it up. But before that, he has to rein in the savage persona of the Hulk and basically merge it again with Banner to make, it beca to make him become Professor Hulk. So not only has he shown that he's the strongest Hulk in Pablo Thanos, he's also shown that he's the strongest Hulk in holding up that build in holding up that building. He's shown he's the strongest Hulk in um, using the Infinity Gauntlet to bring everybody back, and he's shown that he's the strongest person or the strongest Hulk, Professor Hulk, with Bruce Banner in being able to keep himself in control in check, which is the complete opposite of when you first meet him in Avengers, when it's like, oh, you know, how do you change on will? And he's like, I'm always angry. This guy is the strongest person because he's just able to just be calm and know when to do the wrong and the right thing. And that would also kind of like harken back to the scene where they go to the Battle of New York and he's looking at himself going like, God damn, I'm a fucking savage. Like, I'm not even wearing any pants or anything like that. Like, he's truly evolved above as a character and you'd make him do those physical things. And then the last, you know, main physical thing would be, you know, him regaining his thoughts and making him become the better person. That's what I would have done in one way or another. Yep, and that's why they need to hire you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, if you're listening, tap up Rich Kid, man. Um, all right, let's move on to some other questions because I said we've still got quite a few to get through. Um, so we've got another question. This is from Jonathan, and he asks, would you like to see what Captain America got up to when returning the Infinity Stones? My answer to that is simple. Hell yes. <laughs> I would want a little mini series seeing what kind of madness he got up to when he had to put the ether back inside Jane Foster, when he had to, <laughs> when he basically had to stand aside and watch as somebody killed themselves um, for the Soul Stone. Like, I want to see all of that. Like, straight i i would have wanted to see all of that um the, because cap would have been placed being the type of character that he is he would have been placed in several moral quandaries where he would have had to have thought do i interfere here or do i step aside and just focus on my mission so um that would have been like hella entertaining to me um rich how about you listen i've got the best idea i don't give a fuck All right let me tell you something now i'm gonna say this idea right let me play it up no fuck it i'm gonna tell you this idea and anybody that's listening, no one can deny this idea as well. And I don't think anyone's thought of it out there. I'd have like, how many soul gems are there? Soul stones, five, right? 
So I'll just do like, yeah. <laughs> Me and Big Joe's just looked at our hands and counted our fingers. Like one, <laughs> two. So how many, sorry, how many soul stones did you Five say? Five or six. Do, do you mean infinity stones? Yeah, infinity stones, yeah. Infinity yeah, gems six. stones, I'm old. Infinity gems is what I call them. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, six. Um, so there's what, five or six? six? Six. So one for each finger and then one for the main part of the hand, right? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So I'll do a six episode miniseries, maybe even like the mini Marvel movies that we that we got in like the first part of phase one, right? And each story would be Captain America, obviously jumping back to that time. And like you said, getting into some form of like moral dilemma story. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be a movie. Maybe anything from... 15 minutes to half an hour, depending on each episode. Each one can be a bit longer, a bit shorter. But it's almost like it's a story being told, and each episode is opened up and ended with um, the Mexican guy from Ant-Man saying, saying, like, so in today's episode, and he goes through this whole back thing, and that's how it would be. Come on, man, that's a fucking great idea. I lie? Um, I do like, the, obviously, the miniseries. Because yeah, he, would, he, would, he wouldn't have to make it super, super serious, because we yeah. kind of know what, how this how his story ends anyway. So you can kind of like still stay true to the character, but then still play it quite loose and fast, which is something that you've seen with Captain America as it's gone on. Like he's also, he's almost started to loosen up as a character, especially when you see him in, in, um, in Endgame, when you see him fighting against himself and it's like, I can do this. And it's like, man, like, you know, fuck, I'm a parody. Or the bit where he sees him in his old costume, it's like, you guys let me wear that costume. Like, so with the little miniseries, you can play it loose and fast. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm down for it. As I said, I'm on, I'm on board the train. So yeah, definitely, I would like to see what Captain America got up to. Um, what narration by the Mexican guy? Oh, by Luis. Yeah, that's his name, Luis. He's a bad man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Big Joe, you. Yeah, um, your name. Uh, I, at first, I because obviously how it ends with Captain America, I probably wasn't interested in any of his. What he got up to bringing it back. <laughs> you upset. You upset. <laughs> you was all up in your feelings, yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't, but obviously, Rich put a good picture and obviously little mini series, seeing what he's going up to. Because even now, I'm thinking, how would he return some of the stuff, some of the stone, um, the Infinity Stones back? Because some of them, for example, the Soul Stone, is he going to make someone undead to put it back, mm. or? How's he gonna take put the ether back into faster? Yeah, to so I was just thinking, all right, do I really want to see that? Would that we work? All right, you know what? I'm a bit curious, so yeah, I, I wouldn't mind giving that a watch. So at first I was probably no, but now I'm probably thinking, yeah, okay, let's see how this all works. So yeah, I've been persuaded. You know, you know, it'd be the best episode. The best episode is when he goes back to take the soul stone. Not because of this whole hoopla of, like, can he get oh, the black or whatever. Um... Yeah, bumps to Red Skull. They just look at each other and be like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just start scrapping. Like, <laughs> I think that's an internet meme already, to be honest. I've seen quite a few oh, yeah. posts about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, you know the internet has no chill already. So, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 There's been a few memes about that. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, Jonathan, yes, I think we, we would all like to see that um okay let's move on so we've got uh, a question here from m from verbal diorama um and she's asked a really interesting question actually um with half the world's population now returned what do you think that means for the rest of the world as well as the avengers 
You know what about that? I was a bit confused with half the population disappeared because it seemed like everything just stopped. Um, which I couldn't understand when they gave us the shot that they did. Um, like you saw the stadiums empty and all the rest of that. I thought life still would have gone on afterwards. After everyone had a chance to grieve and stuff, life would have gone on. So that kind of shot was kind of interesting. Um, with everyone back... Um, See, I'm, I'm slightly a bit confused about that. And the reason being is because in the film, we get Spider-Man saying he knew he turned to dust. And so he knows he's come back. Um, and then you also have the scene where I think Clint gets a call from his, his wife. His wife. Yeah. Um, what they said in that conversation would have been interesting. It's like, oh, I'm back. Um, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's difficult to really say if... Um, anything really happens and what that would mean for the world. I just think they would just carry on as normal, to be honest. Um, and as for the Avengers, well, are we still going to have those Avengers? Or are we going to have new ones? Um, if we're looking at the old ones, I suppose they've been through it already, so I don't think it'll mean anything for them. If we're having new ones, they might come with new stories to tell, so I'm not too sure. Okay, so that was basically a waste of time answer then. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm messing with you, Joe. I'm messing with you. I'm messing. With you. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, no, I do understand what you're saying. I, I, I mean, I, I think with. Um, sorry, I'll jump in, Rich, and then I'll let you come in. Yeah, cool. um, but I think with relation to half the world's population disappearing, I think to a certain extent, life goes on. I mean, it, they they did show that in. Um, you know, the group meeting that, that Steve Rogers held um, with the Joe Russo cameo where he talks about, you know, going out on a date for the first time in five years, um, you know, because his his partner was, was snapped out of existence um, and how difficult he kind of found, you know, crossing that threshold and, and kind of embracing that part of, of, of life again. Um, but, you know, he agreed to do it, which it demonstrates that I guess, you know, in in even the most extreme circumstances, life can go on and, and, and people will, you know, get on with the business of living. Um, but that said, you know, it does take a long time for people to get over these things. I mean, if you think about it, you know, even if you look throughout human history, the, you know, the, the average war, it takes, you know, countries that have been affected by war decades to, to recover, um, you know, both from a population point of view and from a societal point of view. Um, you know, not to mention all of the various other things that, that can kick in, like, you know, environmental damage and, and, and what that does to people as well. So imagine, you know, if, if half of the, the planet's population just disappeared just like that, um, you know, think of how much, think of how many possible, you know, problems that, that can present. I mean, you know, it, we, we got the scene in the movie where Black Widow says, um, you know, that basically world governments aren't really functioning. I mean, and the ones that are, that were able to take census data, um, you know, seem to confirm that that Thanos had, had been successful. But, you know, by her making that comment, you presume that that means that there's a lot of world governments that aren't even functional. Um, and, you know, if I take the example of, of the island that my mum lives on, uh, the island of Grenada in the Caribbean, that has a population of about, you know, 180,000 people. So if half of them just suddenly disappeared overnight, um, you know, that is going to leave Grenada a freaking mess. 
Um, so I think, you know, it, to me, it, it kind of made sense on, on that level that, you know, the, the world, even five years later, would not necessarily just, you know, get over it and, and, and get on with things. There'd, there'd still be a huge void um, because of, of the effects of, of this event. Um, Rich, how about you, man? Um, what I think this means for the rest of the world. I don't, I don't know. It depends, like, obviously, how it affected the people who disappeared and then came back. Like, like you said, like, when Peter Parker wakes up, if it's almost like he hasn't been around for a hot minute, so he's still trying to judge things, so it could to him it might be like a dream. Uh, I'd like to see if some people were affected by it differently, as in, like, did they all go to the Soul Stone? Did they go into Soul World? Like, you know, at the end where you see um, Gamora as a kid, did they go to a place like that and then like, have their own little form, another form of existence in that plane? I'd like to see if, if that's the case and if some people remember it and if they're just seen as crazy or if they're like seen as like, well, you know what, These are, this is like the second coming. In fact, they just had a brain fart. Those people that did come back who were happy with being dead can, can consider themselves like um followers of Thanos oh, and wish to try and kill people again. Did they actually die though? As far as we know they did. Yeah. Did you, so I mean did... effectively they were dead, yeah. yeah. They they ceased to yeah. exist in, in within our plane. So yeah, they were dead. Yeah, so that's what I'll do. So yeah, I'd, I'd have some of the people that come back to be believers in the legend in the legend of Thanos. And that they were all actually meant to be dead. And you know, because like for the first time in a long time, uh, the majority of the universe was in some form of harmony. But, you know, with half the people gone because people had to band up. I mean, obviously, it didn't work 100% because you've got Ronin going around killing Yakuza for fun. I, mean, I reckon the Yakuza were just minding their own business. I reckon they were just helping around and he was just angry and he was like, no, you guys used to do bad stuff. Mm. And he took him out. Well, they kind, they kind of hint at that in the scene, don't they? Because the, the um, when he goes to fight... Um, uh, God, I've forgotten the actor's name now. Yeah, he's but, a famous um, Yeah, he's, he's really famous. Um... But you know, when when they have the confrontation, he's like, "Why are you targeting us? We we haven't done anything wrong," um, and that kind of lends like credence to your theory, Rich, that you know um, the yakuza maybe they were just trying to help out and you know trying to help people moving, uh, keep it moving. But because you know Hawkeye as his Ronin persona was just full of of grief and rage, um, you know, as far as he's concerned, nothing's changed, and he's taken it upon himself to become a vigilante. Um, you know, remember in, in uh, the scene where Black Widow is talking to um, the various different people via, um, you know, that, that projection thing. And, yeah. um, you know, Rhodes is saying, like, you know, they, a whole heap of dead bodies has turned up in um, Mexico, um, which, you know, the, the Federalis think is cartel, but they can't tell because they don't have no records anymore because of the snap. Um, so, yeah, you know, for, for all we know, he's been for the last sort of five years, all he's been doing is going around the globe, just carving up whoever he thinks is, you know, a, a bad guy or somebody who's done something wrong. And and how do we know that he's not killed innocent people by mistake and, and things like that? So, so yeah, it makes sense. I mean, basically, the I guess what we're all kind of saying really is that the world would be a pretty messed up place um, with half the population gone, and and now that they're back, that kind of creates problems. So. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see what the future movies hold. Unfortunately, I don't think either of us can really say what, um, you know, what that means, but uh, 
without a doubt, I think there's there's definitely going to be an impact um, on the world, you know? Well, I guess we'll get to see in um, Spider-Man, because obviously... Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. You know, know, you could say, you know the ones that are still alive, and, like, the ones that have come back from the dead, they could talk to them, like, how, like, racist people talk to, to foreign people, like, come back to life, come back, steal our jobs, steal our women... Why didn't you just stay dead? I want to see arguments like that, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Depressingly, I think that's probably pretty accurate for what would probably happen if such a thing like this were to happen in our world, you know. But yeah, there you go. Um, Okay, next question from M is, how do you feel about the deaths in the movie? Did the right people die? Did the right people live? Um, now I know we kind of touched on on you know what happened to dear old Iron Man um, earlier on, but um, I wanted to include this question because it gives me a chance to rant a little bit about um, one of the characters that I think was really underserved in this movie um, and poorly served by this movie. And um, Rich, I know you agree on this. Um, Big Joe, I haven't asked you, so we'll get your take on it. But um, and that's Black Widow. Um, I was really disappointed by uh, Jason. What Jason, happened with that? You Jason, know? Sorry. So it turns out, let let Big Joe go in it first, because you already know what I'm gonna say. I don't know what you're gonna say. Mm. I don't know what audience doesn't. But let Big Joe weigh in, and then we'll then we'll chime in after. And then we'll yeah, come. yeah, that's fine. That works for me. Uh, take the floor, Big Joe. Well, um, I suppose obviously the scene where they actually go there. I knew one of them had to die. Um, or maybe it's just me. I. It didn't really bother me that Black Widow died, if I'm honest. Um, obviously, what you got from obviously Hawkeye in the beginning with his family, with what he turned into, then him coming back, I just thought they're not going to kill him off after he's just gone through all of that. Um, so I just thought Black Widow's going to be the natural selection to die. Um, but in saying that, I didn't think she would stay dead. I thought they would have brought her back. Um so I always was hoping that, okay, after all this is done, Black Widow would come back. And even towards the end credits of watching it, I did think, you know, um, she would turn up still. Like, that was um, Iron Man's last thing he'd done. I thought he sacrificed himself um, to bring back her. So maybe, who knows what will happen with that. Um, other deaths, um, we kind of touched about the Iron Man, like you said. Um Kind of what you said as well. Probably would have rathered it to be Captain America. Thought that would have been more iconic for me. Um, I'm trying to think who else died in the film. Um, one that might be pop- not popular would have been. I well, I don't know exactly what happened, but I don't. I wish obviously Thanos didn't die. I think he should have stuck around. I liked him as a villain. I liked of, of what he'd done. I think they could have used him again. Um, obviously, I don't know what Tony Stark actually done with Thanos and his army. I don't know if he sent them to another planet. I don't know if he did the same thing he did. So, obviously, that's still up in the air. Um, am I missing any de- other deaths? No, not yet. The, all of the DC fans and uh, <laughs> Marvel, they all died. <laughs> <laughs> they all died a slow death going like, fuck it, this is 10 years we can't catch up on. No. Yeah, um, Rich, how about you, man? Yeah, Black Widow's death. Uh, it almost felt. It almost feels like as the films have gone on, that Black Widow had less and less to do. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just felt. I just felt it was a waste. I, I mean, 
I would have liked to have seen a lot more of what Rodin was doing around the world for him to think of himself as like, I'm not worthy. Because think of it like this. He's going around killing all of these criminals and maybe taking an innocence by accident for a family that he's lost. And now that he's actually got the chance to have this family, he still deemed himself not worthy. I would have liked to have seen what he was doing. I would have, I would have liked to have just not seen what happened at the beginning, which I mean was cool. Um, but then like every so often just show him around. Once again, this is an idea I would have had. I would have still kept those little mini Marvel movies and in between Avengers Infinity War and in between Avengers Endgame, I would do like little promos where you just see this hooded guy, you know, just like really, real notes Hawkeye, but it doesn't matter. You never see his face, he's just dressed up in his thing. And he's just going around the countries or wherever in the Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just John Wicking the hell out of people. Like just like just bow and arrow, sword, gun, chair, spoon, all of that stuff. And he's just killing people. So by the time it comes to, you know, you know, to Endgame and Rhodes makes that speech, we know what he's done. But he's obviously done worse than that. And once again, it goes back to like the whole John Wick thing where there's that whole running story of like, I seen him kill a man with a fucking pencil. And then you get to the second one, you see him kill with a fucking pencil. So I would have I think it would have been good to let him sacrifice himself. That's number one. But also because number two, Hawkeye still hasn't I mean, he's had his moments throughout the whole ten years, but they just never managed to find that really good story beat for him. To make him do something really good, and I think this could this this actually could have been a nice one song for him. Um, see, I don't think when you said obviously was he done not, not to be worthy, well, he is not worthy, so that's why he needs to die. I just think his relationship with um Black Widow was more of a like brother and sister kind of thing. Yeah, I reckon I reckon they used, I reckon they used to do a thing back in the day. There's one no, point they go close to each other at night. Yeah, uh, I think they 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 dated. Is that the comic books? They dated before he got with his wife. I don't know, and that's could why and that's why he says. Doesn't doesn't one of them say like you know me better than or I know you better than you know yourself? Because remember she refers to oh you he's the one that saves me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously we don't know. I guess he through recruited her into Shield or some way mm. it happened. But I just thought as they had like a brotherly kind of sister kind of thing, and that was evident when in Civil War where mm. they're gonna fight, and I think Scarlet Witch says stop pulling your punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah because she doesn't want to hit her ex boyfriend who she's really good friends with. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I just think that obviously because they had that kind of relationship, he was like, and they, I don't think any, I think they all would have done. I think it was just more of like, that's my kind of teammate, that's my comrade, and I would die for you. Now Ant Man wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Ant Man and Rocket, they wouldn't have done it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of how I would see it. So yeah, Jay, do you want to come in? Um, yeah, I mean, you guys have pretty much summed it up. As, as said, I, I, I kind of felt very underserved by Black Widow in general in, in the movie. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't really that happy with with how her death was handled. And um, like you, Joe, I was kind of expecting her to be brought back, um, you know, at some point in, in the movie or even towards the end. But it, it didn't happen. Um, so as far as we know, for, for now, Black Widow is is gone um and gone in kind of a cheap way really it felt like to me um you know it really didn't feel as emotional as or as personal as Gamora's death did in Infinity War um you know it, it just felt like they kind of had to do it in order to progress the story so yeah that was um disappointing 
So, yeah, I, I'm not sure she was the, the, the right person to die, and certainly not in the manner that she did. It, it just didn't work for me, really. Um, but, yeah, let's move on, man, because we've still got a couple more questions to get through. Um, M gave us another really good one as well, which is, uh, do you think that the Guardians will find Gamora again? Um, well, let's recap quickly. Did Gamora go off-planet? Yeah. Because, okay. Yeah, she beat up one of the, yeah. the aliens and got like a spaceship and she ran off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Azim happened. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I mean, we don't know, do we? So, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess that's kind of why M is asking the question because we don't really, uh, we didn't really see what happened to Gamora in the film. I mean, we um, know she escapes that much. We know that. Yeah, we know she's she escapes somewhere, but but you know, to where and with whom and you know, to what end, we don't know at this point. Um, presumably, that that won't be explored until Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three comes out. Um. But yeah, I mean, the, uh, I guess as uh, said, the the question is, you know, will they be able to find her um, out in the universe? Um, I suspect they probably will find her. Um, well, they got how... his happy ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, they got to give Peter Quill his happy ending. Yeah, but I don't know if it's if it is going to be a happy ended for Quill. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I think it may be a happy ending of sorts, but perhaps not the one that people think. Um, because I, I don't see how in one movie you're going to convince this Gamora to suddenly fall in love with Peter Quill. Um, you know, that that seems kind of a reach to me um, to do that in one movie, um, considering it took, you know, two movies before they got to that the, the place where they were um, that comfortable with with each other to to really let each other know how they felt. So yeah, I don't I don't know uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not 100 percent convinced that that there will be a, a happy ending like that for for Peter Quill in that. Well, the groundwork's already been done. Obviously, Nebula they they refer to obviously Nebula telling Gamora kind of her her destiny already, um, and they joke around it was either Peter or the tree, but um so. That's kind of implanted, so because of that, I suppose they will find her, and Peter will probably get his happy ending. How it all works out, I don't know. He might take a few more beatings before it does, but I guess we'll wait and see on that one. Hmm. Rich, how about you? Um, yeah, I reckon they'll definitely find her in, in as Guardians of the Galaxy, and I reckon it might even be a thing of she's going around maybe as a one ray reckon force taking up people who I still think there are people out there who probably would believe in Thanos's ideal. The reason I'm saying that is because number one, if you can think it can happen. And number two, when Infinity War happens, you had all these people, you know, doing this thing of like, well, you know what, Thanos kind of has a point. It's one of the reasons why he's such a good villain anyway. Um, you know, I mean he's not any dissimilar to, you know, to Killmonger from Black Panther. So I reckon there's gonna be people out there maybe still trying to continue Thanos's, you know, you know, final or master plan. And knowing that the amount of damage that she's done as the underling of Thanos, maybe this is a chance to redeem herself again. She considers she considers herself, you know, that she's had a second, second chance. So, you know, she's going to do what she does best. 
and obviously she hasn't had the time spent interacting with the Guardians of the Galaxy where she's got this, you know, soft and heartened, lovable type of character built up yet. She's just a wrecking machine and she's going to do what she does best, but she's going to do it towards the bad guys. So she might even be like a female Punisher, I reckon. So I think that's what that might be what will happen if they bump into her, when they bump into her in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Cool. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to the, the final part of uh, this week's episode, which will be kind of looking at the future of, of the MCU and kind of the things, I guess, that we would like to see and the things that we think may happen. Um, now, we've got a couple of questions around this as well. So um, one of the questions that came in was, uh, let me get the details, sorry. It was Manuel from uh, Twitter. And he asked, will we see the likes of Excalibur or the Exiles introduced into the MCU? Um, now, for those that, that don't know, Rich, can you quickly just explain, you know, what Excalibur and the Exiles are? So Excalibur uh, is basically, is the, Brit the British division somewhat of the X-Men, uh, but is more, is a mixture of like mutants, superhumans and magic. Um, and it's basically just a team led by Captain Britain. Um, the Exiles are a bunch of reality time-hopping mutants um, that basically started off with Alex Summers. I think this is like the late 90s or the early 2000s. And what they do is that they basically just bounce from reality to, rea reality, to reality, just fixing problems. So like Big Joe kind of mentioned earlier on to another show, they're like the mutant versions of um, Quantum Leap, Sam Beckett. Um, and as the as the comic book progresses, you know they they lose members, they gain members, they lose and gain members of the same character, but from different realities as well. Um, but I think that'd be interesting. I think that'd be a really. I mean, might might not necessarily have to be mutants, but um, maybe in the snap, maybe other superhumans at some point, you know, somehow manifested. It's like nature's evolution. You know, you mm. lose one thing, but then you gain another thing. Maybe that awakens a lot of other people throughout the world. Well, let's say, just say planet Earth. And maybe there's a division on, you know, in Britain. Maybe there's a division that's actually being created because, like, after half the population is done, you know, they want to try and bring up or build up their own self-defense thing the same way how, you know, the United States has the Avengers. Uh, maybe have, like, the, the Red Guard in Russia where you've got like their, you know, their Soviet versions of, you know, Captain America and Iron Man, the Crimson Dynamo and stuff like that. So I think Excalibur is something that could definitely work if it's based, if it's definitely just based in one region, which would be Great Britain. And then you can kind of expand into other countries as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm good. I, I don't give a damn, man. <laughs> I think um, the reason as well why Manuel was asking about Excalibur is because, um, Remember in the the uh, time travel scene where Steve travels back to the seventies, yeah, um, and is uh, breaks into the the Shield facility with Tony yeah. Stark, yeah, um, and he goes to get the the PIM card to particles, yeah. and um, they're being kept in, uh, opposite um, Agent Carter's office, yeah, 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 and um, she kind of is talking to somebody, and she says um, something along the lines of, uh, "Where's Agent Braddock? He hasn't checked in." Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, obviously, um, 
you know, uh, that's the the name of Captain Britain for those that didn't know. Um, Brian is Brian his first name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Brian is Brian. Brian is, is, Brian is Captain Britain, and he has a brother. Hmm. I can't remember his first name, but he's a super powerful super mutant. And um, hmm. don't forget, um, don't forget, Captain Britain's sister is um. Rebecca. Yeah, of course. I How could I forget yeah. my, my girl, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um. So yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, I think it could be very interesting to see um Excalibur and the exiles would make sense as well considering spoilers for those who haven't seen the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer um that we're now getting a multiverse within the MCU um you know the exiles makes perfect sense because somebody needs to police those those timelines now yeah. because the avengers have have basically you know they've they've taken the lid off of Pandora's box um and you can't put the lid back on so somebody needs to be watching it to to see you know what's going on, um, and when, with whom, um, and the exiles are, are perfect for that. So yeah, I would definitely look forward to to seeing the exiles um, on the big screen. Will we see them? I I don't know, um, but I would have thought they would do something in in reference to that, just purely because of where they've gone with the story, really. So yeah. Um, oh, sorry, Big Joe, I didn't ask you, man. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, would you be interested in seeing like Excalibur and the Exiles? Oh well, yeah. I suppose obviously the more the merrier. Um, how it would work, I kind of you kind of you guys have kind of touched on that already. Um, I agree. They've opened Pandora's obviously box, and I guess anything can happen now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So literally, I would. I'm not surprised, obviously, obviously, what they can do, but um, I guess going back to being a fan, I'm just going to wait and see what they bring. I don't want to really comment on that at the moment. I've got, I've got a pitch. I've got a pitch. Oh, here so, you go. Yeah. So basically, hold on, hold on, wait before you get into your pitch, Richard, because um, yeah. we've got another question um, or, or a couple of questions, I think, here, which are basically oh. around the the future. So. You can then go into your pitch and then we can talk about the future. So um, another question that came in, which is relevant to this discussion, was from Mikey B. And he asked, what would be the next best villain or storyline to carry on the franchise? And we got another question here from M, which is pretty similar, which says, which characters do you want to see Marvel Studios bring in going forward? So do your pitch and then we can go. Okay. So my pitch would be a way to bring in the exiles is that during one of the six episodes of Tony Stark returning to the gems as narrated by Louise from Ant-Man, yeah, he would basically bump into um into the exiles. Where basically he's coming to come, you know, you know, coming to put one of the gems back, but he's not sure how to do it. And then the exiles come in and there's like, you know, the the you know the classic they have a battle because they think each one of it is a villain and then have to team up at the end to put the gem back and it'll play out like an episode of quantum leap just nice and cheesy and hammy that's what that's how that's how i would bring in the exiles cool cool so with relation to uh which characters you would want to see marvel studios bring in at this point um is there anybody that's kind of top of your list right now that you would want to see going forward um, Big Joe, you can answer that first. Fantastic Four. Yep. Um, Which we're getting. I'll see I, when I believe it. 
<laughs> <laughs> I think you mean you believe it when you see it. You got that the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, we're getting the Fantastic Four. I mean, apparently they're they're about five years out um, from That's doing the Fantastic Four. That's so long. That's, long. That's long. See, I was wondering: is the is the MCU big enough to support the X Men? Because. Mm. I was just thinking because obviously the Avengers and what they take up having another team as well don't get me wrong I wouldn't mind a little crossover and um, a little bit of action obviously but do you think going forward that could that could be supported yeah totally if there's a if, if there's a multiverse now um, then you can have the X-Men exist within their own universe for five six years without ever having to cross paths with the Avengers no, um, so you can have the, the X-Men live in, in their own separate universe um, and not even need to bring them into um, the current MCU timeline until, you know, there is a, a significant event or, or something that happens from a storyline point of view that, that brings them in. So, so yeah, yeah, totally. You can support the X-Men. I mean, they, they, as I said, there's no reason why they have to be immediately brought into um, this MCU timeline if the MCU is going down the road of, of having multiverses. And in fact, I think that's probably what they're going to do because otherwise they're going to have to try and find a way to explain the existence of mutants um, within this current timeline um, that doesn't feel like you're just shoving the X-Men in there. So, um, yeah, I think that that's what they would do really with the X-Men. Okay. Um, and to touch, obviously... Um... What was your other question? Sorry, Jane. Oh, so the the, the um, first question was, uh, which characters did you want to see Marvel Studios bring in? Um, and what would be the next best villain or storyline to continue the franchise? Um, villain, I'm not too sure. Um, but th that ties in with the next storyline. And I think the only other thing... See, if they're going to do it big, or do we want to see another... 10 years, five years kind of continuation and story. The only thing that comes to mind would be Secret Wars. Oof. So that would probably give us something similar to what we've just had for the last 10, 11 years. But do they want to do something similar? Would you like to see something similar, Rich? What, Secret Wars? Well, yeah, like a long, long storyline arc being done again um, for, like, say, Secret Wars. So another, I don't know, 15 movies that support that, 10 movies that support that. Or do you think that'd be the right way to go? Or do you think we need shorter stories now? I think I think that the long game always works better anyway. That's a standard. That way you get people involved and people stay with it. And then you get new people coming in um, at different parts of the story. Um, so something like Secret Wars, Secret Wars could work. I think the main thing you need to think about in regards to this is that it's the villain. It's the person who's going to be driving the story. That's the main thing. We've already got the heroes. The heroes are great. But like I said, the hero is never as good until, unless it has a good villain. So you're going to have to come up with something. When I say this, it doesn't mean, I don't mean it figuratively, but like bigger, badder, smarter than Thanos. And then at the same time, if you think about it, we've now been introduced to certain types of villains that we understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's going to be a hard thing to top, to top Thanos. So, but I think, and I think the only way you can do that is by making a villain who's gonna, you know, have to be part of like a 10 year, whether that's 15 movies, 
or something like that. You just can't bring someone in like that and make them a big bad. Any that come to mind then? Uh, I, I mean, I mean, there's a few. I mean, if you're gonna bring in a Fantastic Four, I think. I can't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, the fans are gonna say, you know, Doctor Doom. Um, I think that would be a good choice, and just for the simple fact, I think if you're gonna redeem the Fantastic Four, you might as well redeem like one of the greatest villains in Marvel Universe and the greatest villain of the Fantastic Four as well. But that might be a bit too easy because now you're gonna have to explain the whole thing of where Latveria is and. Unless they, you know, they use that the five-year snap as like Latvia as a country that came to its own, um, or compare Latvia to like Wakanda, where it's been a secret nation that has been surviving, you know, on X, Y, and Z for all this time, and now it decided to unveil itself. The other villain I think that could work would maybe be a character like Kang the Conqueror, which is tied to the Fantastic Four as well, and he time travels and he bounces between realities as well, and um, if you look back at the history. He's also related to Mr. Fantastic's past, present, and future self, and also related in a different way to Nathaniel Richards, who is Reed Richards' father. Um, so yeah, and if you've got this whole thing of like multiverses and you know different paradox universes running around since this whole phase, it only makes sense for like that type of character to come through. And at the same time, it also allow us to bring in, like Jay say, other characters from other universes, maybe. Maybe there's a universe where the Avengers don't exist and um, the evolution in, in that population is just mutants. Maybe that evolution from another universe is going to be the Eternal, which is rumored to be one of the films that comes in. We've got, we've got like so many different things, but it definitely has to be played long game again, just because they've shown that it works. Uh, and I think that the audience probably responds better to it. And it gives us time to once again build up on everything. Short stories, long stories, villains, uh, heroes, and making us really, really like invest in these characters, so that you know, like at the end of Endgame, when you you know you now got people with making memes or having T-shirts saying "I love you 3000. We want that. That's what we need, man. It hasn't been done before. We've shown that it can be done. So it makes sense for Marvel Universe or the MCU to continue doing what they do best, as compared to like say like DC extended universe, which don't want to play that game and are you know are now paying the fucking price for it but hey what do i know cool okay um right for me i think uh what would be the next best villain or story um i think joe got a, joe had a really good shout with secret wars that would be amazing to to watch on the big screen i think especially having seen what they were able to pull off with endgame um yeah, to have a Secret Wars type storyline would, would just blow my bloody mind. So, um, yeah, I would love to see a Secret Wars storyline. Um, I think for Secret characters... Invasion? Sorry? Secret Invasion? Secret Invasion, yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, although, uh, you know what, I would lean to more than Secret Invasion. I would lean towards um, the Siege. Um, okay. Because I think with the Siege, you can kind of... You can kind of create, I, I mean, here's the thing. I think that with the direction that the MCU is going now, I think you're going to have, rather than a, a long game, um, big storyline that covers both cosmic and um, grounded characters. Mm -hmm. I think the grounded characters are going to have one long game story and the cosmic characters are going to have another um, um, 
uh, long form story. Okay. So yeah. I think that you may get something on the cosmic level, um, you know, like the war of uh, uh, the Kree Skrull War, and you know that may have um, implications for for those cosmic characters, for the Guardians, for Captain Marvel, and, and um, uh, the Eternals, and, and the other characters that they're introducing. Um, and then you may have like a siege storyline on Earth, um, you know, where Asgard comes, uh, new Asgard comes under attack from a Norman Osborn and his Dark Avengers. Um, you know, something like that I think could work really, really well. Mm. Um, cause I, I, I get the feeling that they're a bit concerned about trying to pull off the same trick again with, um, the infinity saga simply because yeah. they, they know that they're going to have to expand their roster of characters and the more characters that they keep adding, the, the more difficult it's going to be from a film logistic point of view to, to get them all together in the same place at the same time and, and, and tell you know a, a gigantic story that covers both realms. So I've got the the feeling that they're going to try and start separating it now and have the cosmic side doing one thing, mm. and then you know the Earth side doing one thing, and then they'll cross over you know eventually in in bits and pieces. But I don't think they'll they'll try and tell like a big um, crossover story between the two realms, so to speak. So um, yeah, that would be my take on it. I mean, in terms of characters, I want to see the Silver Surfer, Gala um, Galactus. Um, I want the rise of the Midnight Suns. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Midnight Suns. It's never going to happen. I know it's never going to happen. Um, it, it might happen on TV because there's quite a few developments with the the TV side. Um, no, I'd like we're getting a Avengers. Uh, I'd like to see Avengers World. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon we'll we'll get a Young Avengers as well. I mean, I you, I know you feel the same way as well, Rich. Yeah. Um, I think we're definitely going to get a Young Avengers, um, and, and that would be pretty cool um, to see too. But um, yeah, I'm struggling to think of, of like other characters that that I would like to see oh, brought in. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, Nova, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm I'm almost certain we're going to get a Nova um, introduction at some point as well, because again, as I said, they're just they're expanding the you know the cosmic side of, of the marvel universe and if you're doing that then you know there has to be nova at some point so yeah and what do yeah. you think about, about them bringing in a force because we kind of got a little scene of something oh yeah of course of course yeah 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 sorry i, I you know i completely forgot about that scene um yeah i think that's highly probable i mean i don't think they did that you know um just to to kind of service fans i i, I do think they were kind of hinting at, at what the future might be for um, for for some of the women characters within the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a an A Force type of team. Um, it may not necessarily be A Force as it is from the comics, but yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that. Um, so yeah, that's highly highly probable as well. Um, and again, because of where we're at from a, a story point of view, and the fact that we have you know that magic M word multiverse, um, you know, there's there's limitless possibilities from a storyline point of view for for how you can introduce a an a-force type team and and you know the adventures that they get up to and and the battles that they face so so yeah yeah i, I think that's um probably highly likely joe probably highly likely um I think that's it, really. Uh, yeah, we've we've got to the end of the questions there. Um, thank you, everybody, for bringing your questions in. Um, guys, did you, just to sum up, um, 
what would you give the the movie as a score and where would you rank it on your MCU list, your personal MCU list um, of movies? Jesus. Ooh. Call me off guard there, Jay. Yeah, was that question on the list? <laughs> no, it's still, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Silence there, listeners. Everybody's struggling. <laughs> Okay, carry the three. Okay, well, I'll I'll go first. I'll give you guys some time to fix. So I think I would give Avengers Endgame a eight out of ten. Um, I think uh, the only reason I didn't score it higher is because of of how I feel about Black Widow and and what happened with that, uh, and I feel quite strongly about it. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's pretty much as close to kind of the perfect crowd pleasing comic book movie that, that I could have thought of, you know, um, it, it delivers just on so many different levels for me. Um, so yeah, I would give it an eight out of 10 and I would probably on, and again, this is just my personal list. I'm not saying one's better than the other. And as I said, on the captain Marvel podcast with M my MCU top 10 list changes every day. So there's no point in you drawing any conclusions from this, but if I had to rank um, Avengers Endgame, I would probably on my personal list, put it at number two. Yeah, I agree. So let me just ask a question, Jay, what's number one? For me personally, Civil War. Ooh, okay. Okay. Mm. Well, I will score it 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like what they did to my man Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, they retired Cap. So, yeah, 7 out of 10 for me. Um, where I'd rank it, it would also be at number 2. Um, number one for me is Winter Soldier. Um, I just think that's a solid movie and it covers everything. But then Endgame is so satisfying, so that has to come at number two. Cool. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good answer, man. Thank you. Um, Rich Kid, bring it home, man. Yeah, I'd give it an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the way how they treated Black Widow for definite. I'm not entirely satisfied with how they treated the Hulk, although there was some good progression with it, but I still think he was undersold. Um, I think there's a few characters that they could have, you know, elaborated on a bit. They say, like, maybe, like, Hawkeye, just because he's, like, one of the founding members as well. Everyone seems to kind of get, like, a really decent, good redeeming arc. But I'd like to see a bit more Hawkeye and maybe a lead-up to um, him becoming Ronan. Um... It's not my number one. My number my number one Marvel film I've had to choose, like you said, Adore Jay, like changes every day, is still Avengers 1. Uh, just because of the fact of that it's the first time we'd ever seen anything like that and it pulled it off. Hmm. And everything, well, not everything, but a lot of what we've seen after Avengers has kind of been based off the goodness that was given to us by Joss Whedon. Like, he, 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 like you know, as much as we've got Endgame, we've got Infinity War, we've got Civil War and stuff like that, it, we wouldn't have had it. We wouldn't. We wouldn't have it if it wasn't for the Avengers. It set the the foundations like nicely. So that's always going to be number one for me. 
um it may not have the bigger explosions or the best battles but hey stop but, delaying and tell us where you're ranking it avengers number one um uh, yeah it's gonna mm, it, okay today on <laughs> may the 10th 2019 it is it, going to be number two but then i know for a fact like tomorrow i could probably have a conversation with one of you guys and we start talking about the fight scene from like winter soldier and then we're like you know what let me just get off this corner and let me go watch that now and then all of a sudden <laughs> for a half hours or two hours that's your number one film you know and then the same thing happens with like guardians of the galaxy but as it stands right now uh avengers endgame is number two cool 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 thank you um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of all on the same page, really, um, with the movie, I think. Uh, it's quite fitting that, um, you know, we've come to the end of the podcast with everybody in uh, perfect alignment, <laughs> with balance, as Thanos would um, say, you know, um, balance, perfectly balanced as all things should be, as he would say. So, um, yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, really appreciate that, man. That was fun. Um, and listeners, thank you for listening. And again, you know, um, we really, really appreciate your patience with us. Um, I know podcasts haven't been as regular as, as they have been in the past recently. Um, you know, Rich and I are, are, are basically both busy. So, you know, that, that's the only excuse I can give you. But we're doing our best. We're trying to stay on top of it. Um, and, you know, we will be back again very, very soon with, with another podcast episode for you. And I'm hoping that we'll be joined by Jed Shepard um, on the next podcast as well. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient. Um, if you haven't done so already, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps um, to, to get the podcast out there. And especially if you've enjoyed listening to us on, on Apple Podcasts as well, you know, then um, just leave us a, a short review. It doesn't have to be an essay. It doesn't have to be a, a big old, you know, construction or deconstruction of, of the podcast. Just let us know how you feel, um, you know, and, and, and share that around with everybody as well and, and let everybody know that um, we're here. Cause as I said, you know, the more you talk about it, the more uh, motivated we are to do more podcasts. So um, please do share that around. All right. Make sure you stick around to the end of this episode. You'll find out some contact details for us as well. So you'll be able to find out how to get in touch um, if you have any questions or, or want to be a guest on the show. Um, but until next time, I'm going to say good night. Uh, Rich kids say good night. If you guys have got any more Avengers Endgame questions that you want us to answer, just send it through to Instagrams and to our Twitters, which you're going to hear at the end of the show. Um, but uh, good night. <laughs> and Big Joe, um, thank you for joining us at last, bro. Um, and yeah, say good night. Good night. Thanks, everybody. Take care of yourselves. And we'll see you very, very soon. Peace out. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the BrickPod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 